It's a great song. That speaks exactly what we're going to talk about uh, today. And uh, you'll turn with me to Luke chapter 2, I mean 10, Luke chapter 10. And as you turn there, I uh, want to ask you a question. And you all know, you know, you've experienced this. Uh, you know, have you ever been a part of a team? And I'm specifically thinking about, you know, have you ever been a part of a team on the playground? You know, you've ever been on the school playground? I don't know if you're going to play kickball or baseball or football or basketball, but you know, you have to get on a team. And so there's really two parts to it. The first part is getting chosen. And so you're on the playground, everybody lines up, right? And you're going to pick teams. You have the captains come up, and then they begin to choose who's on your team. And so if you're going to play the game, you have to be placed on a team. So you have to be chosen. And so we all know this first part, being on a team, we all know that in Christ, we are placed on God's team or in God's family. It's through Christ that we have our sins forgiven and we're allowed to be a part of what God is doing in the world and for all eternity. So that's the first part. You, you're selected to a team. You have to be on the team to play the game. Second part is actually playing the game. Once you're on the team... What do you do? Like, now what? Well, you play the game. If it's basketball, you play the game of basketball, seeking to win the game or football or whatever it may be. And so there's two parts to it, getting selected to be on the team and then playing the game. And so in the passage that we're going to look at this morning in Luke 10, the team has been chosen. You know, Jesus has his team, and they're, they're seeking to recruit more members to his team, but he's got his team. And so now he's going to send them out to play the game. And as we look at the passage, I'm going to make three observations as to how Jesus sends out his people on uh, the field, so to speak, or in his mission. We're going to look at how he does that. And what we're going to do is we're going to see that Jesus sends his people on mission. He sends them uh, together and he sends them praying and what I want to do is spend some time looking at the first and the third observation, and then I'm going to come back to the second. So look with me at verses 1 and 2 in Luke chapter 10. Luke writes, After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And he said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. And so back in chapter 9, Jesus does something similar at the very beginning of Luke 9. He sends out his disciples, the original 12. Okay? He sends them out on a mission. And then he comes down to Luke 10, and now he sends out 72 others. And now some people think there's some significance there to the, the number 72 uh, some people look back to Numbers chapter 11 when Moses appointed 70 elders to help lead the people of God. Uh, others look at uh, Genesis 11 where you see the list of nations there, 70 nations listed. And so there's this uh, significance they, they believe that's tied to this number. But what we do know, whether those things are true or not, what we do know is that Jesus sent out 12 and now he sends out 72 others. In other words, he is progressively recruiting more people 
to get the word out about who he is and what the kingdom of God is like. And so we see his uh, mission expanding through the number of people he's, he's sending out. And we see here in the rest of the scripture that the mission of God is that he is creating a people for himself. He's recruiting a team, so to speak, right? And he's involving us in that process. And so what we see is that we're not just called to be in a relationship with God, but we're also called to participate in the mission of God. And notice in verse 1 that Jesus says that he sent him, or that Luke says that Jesus sent them on ahead of him, okay? He, he, get, he gathers the 72, he appoints them, he sends them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. And so he takes the 72, he divides them up into pairs, and he sends them out into places where he is about to go. And so you have them fulfilling this role almost like John the Baptist before them. You know, they are preparing the way of the Lord. And this sounds awfully familiar to what we ought to to do as well as, as believers in Christ, as Christians. If you follow Christ, if you're on the team, so to speak, the mission is to prepare the way of the Lord. You know, Jesus is sending us to those around us to introduce them to Christ. That's the mission. That's what we're, that's what we're all about uh, if you are part of the family of God. This was true for the 72, and it's true for us as well. Then he says in verse 2, he says, uh, the harvest is plentiful. Meaning that you know, God is at work all around us. He's, he's at work in the multitudes around us. You know, God is doing a work that we can only, uh, we can't even imagine. I mean, he's, he's at work all around us. The harvest is plentiful. God's working is enormous and fans out all over the place. And in farming terminology, not that I'm a farmer by any means, so he'll tell you that. You know, my idea of farming is going to the grocery store. But I do know this. Uh, when you farm, it takes a lot of hard work. You know, you got to prepare the soil, you have to plant, you have to water, you have to feed, you have to take the weeds out. And then that thing that we all love to do is you have to be patient and wait and wait and wait and wait. And then the crop finally produces fruit. But you know what I've noticed? And <laughs> We, we've put together a little garden this past year, and one thing I've noticed is that when the fruit is produced and it ripens, you only have a certain amount of time to get the fruit, right? When it's harvest time, it's harvest time. It's time to get the fruit. It's time to gather it in. And so when Jesus says the harvest is plentiful, I believe what he's saying is that God is doing a, a great work in the lives of multitudes of people all around us And we need to go and introduce them to Christ. We need to go and prepare the way for Christ to enter in, so to speak. We need to tell them about Christ. In other words, we need to be intentional in how we relate to those around us. We need to be intentional in our words, in our deeds. Jesus saying it's harvest time. It's time to share the good news about who Christ is with those around us and see them brought into the family of God. That's the the harvest that he's talking about. God's at work bringing people to himself, and we get to participate in that. And so the question is here in this first observation is, do you 
Do you see yourself as a sent one? Now, are you someone who is sent out on a mission with God? You know, are you preparing those around you to meet Christ? Are you introducing them to Christ? Are you loving them? Are you serving them? Are you introducing them to your Christian friends? Are you telling them about Jesus? Because what we see is, we're not just called to be in a relationship with God, but we're also called to participate in the mission of God, which is to introduce people to Christ. And so that's the first observation that Jesus sends His people on mission. And then what we see, the third observation in verse 2, is that He sends His people on mission praying. In verse 2, Luke writes, And He said to them, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into His harvest. Now, many of you have heard this verse if you've been around the church for a certain amount of time. You know, the harvest is plentiful. God is at work all around the world in the lives of people that you, can, you can't even imagine what He's doing. Okay? He, he's doing a great work all around us. And the laborers are few. Therefore, pray and ask God to send out laborers. So I've already touched on this idea of harvest, but it's interesting that Jesus says, okay, while you're laboring, pray for laborers. You know, while you're laboring, pray to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers. And the idea here is that there's, there's, the, the harvest is overwhelming. I mean, there's, if you think about the, far, the farming um, illustration again, there's, there's so much fruit on the vine, you just can't possibly collect it all yourself. Therefore, you need to pray and ask for help. You need more laborers to do it. Can you imagine that? Like walking out into a field and let's say it's... And just pretend for a moment that you like tomatoes. Which I don't. But let's pretend that. Let's just say, let's just say for the sake of you know, this sermon, I like tomatoes. I know it's far-fetched, but let's say we like them. And you got this huge you know, acre field full of ripe red tomatoes. And it's like just me going to pick tomatoes. <laughs> I'm thinking, there's no way I'm going to get all these tomatoes. There's no way I could possibly uh, take advantage of all this great opportunity here. All this wonderful, remember, we're pretending. Wonderful, you know, tomatoes. And I need some help. And so I'm talking to the person who owns the field and say, we need some more laborers out here. There's so much going on. There's so much potential. We need more people to come out and help me pick these tomatoes. So as you're laboring on the mission that God has sent us out to fulfill, we need to be praying and asking Him to send more laborers. Now, here's a challenging question. And I ask you this only because I've already asked myself this question. And I've been challenged by it. Let's say God were to answer the prayers that you prayed yesterday. He'd answer them all with a yes. All the prayers you prayed yesterday. How many laborers would he send to the Hill Baptist Church? Or around the world? And I say that not to say, you ought to pray for laborers. You should. That's true. But, but praying for laborers is prompted by something else than just saying, you ought to pray for laborers. See, 
As I look at my own heart, I realize, you know, the reason I would pray for laborers, that would flow if I saw the harvest as overwhelming. If I looked around and I saw the potential around me for for so many people to come to know Christ, that I realized there is no way I can do it by myself. God, would you send laborers? See, that would prompt the prayer. Seeing the harvest, seeing the potential, seeing that, and recognizing that God is at work all around our city, all around our state, around the world, and there's no way that even the people in this room can accomplish the task of introducing all these people to Christ. There's no way to do it. What do we need? More laborers. God, would you send more laborers? Would you raise up more laborers to be sent into the harvest, your harvest, and help introduce people uh, to the world? And, you know, this is one reason why we uh, try to, and we're going to get to this in a moment, just talking about working together in the mission. But we do need to pray and ask the Lord to raise up more laborers even in the Hill Baptist Church and what we're doing. Uh, Many people are laboring and seeking to uh, be on mission with God in so many different ways and exercising their gifts. And there are a lot of opportunities for you to labor and to be involved in uh, introducing people to Christ. For example, uh, you saw in your bulletin, we're putting together this launch team for this new worship service on March 1st. And the whole thrust of that is to provide a n- more opportunity for people to worship Christ. I mean, it's just another opportunity for people to be introduced to Christ, to worship Christ. And so that's one way that you could be involved in um, laboring and praying for laborers, that God would raise up laborers to be part of that launch team. And if you sense that God is prompting you to be a part of that and serve in that way, then I would encourage you to come back with us and worship the Lord tonight at 6 p.m. And then at 6.50, uh, we'll have a launch team meeting as we talk about uh, this, this new service launching. And so what we see here is that Jesus, you know, He sends His people on mission, a specific mission, and we see he, that He sends them praying. And then sandwiched between these two uh, points, these two observations, that Jesus sends us on mission, He sends us praying, Sandwiched between those two is the second observation, and that he sends us together. And you see it in verse 1. Luke writes, After this the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them on ahead of him, two by two, into every town and place where he himself was about to go. Now, wouldn't it be more effective to send everyone out individually? I mean, you'd cover more ground that way. But he doesn't. He sends them in pairs. Now, there's a few reasons, perhaps, for that. Now, you can imagine traveling in pairs. It would be safer. Okay? Um, it would provide some companionship, which obviously is very helpful to encourage and, and help each other along in the mission. Uh, also, I think that one of the reasons he does this is because uh, back in Deuteronomy 17 and Deuteronomy 19, as well as Matthew 18, when, when someone bears witness to something, there's more credibility to that uh, testimony if there, there's more than one person agreeing with it. 
And so when you have two people come into a town and say to the people that believe, they believe that God was going to send a Messiah, but they just were not aware that Jesus is that Messiah. They, didn't, they were not aware of that. So you have two people coming into a town saying, the Messiah is here, his name is Jesus, and he is coming your way. So be prepared to meet him. Well, if two people are saying that, that has more credibility to it than just if one person says it. And so I think there's several reasons why he sends it together. But one, one thing we do see here in the pattern throughout Scripture is that God sends his people together on mission. You know, we're called into the family of God or this community of believers, the church. And we are called together to be on mission with God together. Not just individually, but, but together. And I think that's one reason why Jesus sends them in twos. And we know from, for example, Ecclesiastes chapter 4, verses 9 and 10. Listen to this. He's, the writer of Ecclesiastes says this. And let's see if we can you know, apply this to being on mission with God. Two are better than one because they have a good return for their labor. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. But pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. I mean, it's just, we need each other. I think people who, that are not even believers in Christ would realize that, you know, having someone to help is a good thing. You were made for community, and specifically as Christians, we're made for this mission of God to be in community on mission with God together. You know, speaking of this community of believers, I went with a group of Christians uh, to Argentina several years ago. And, you know, we were doing some ministry down there, getting to know people, Argentine people, and, and trying to, you know, point them to Christ, introduce them to Christ. And, uh, you know, we would do that together. Well, one night we wanted to take a little uh, trip to Buenos Aires and have a little social, you know, a little dinner and show. And the show that we took this group to was kind of a, a dancing show. And they did this dance that is very common with the, in, in Argentina. And because this dance originated from, from that part of the world. It's called the tango. Okay? So, um, don't worry, this wasn't a Baptist trip. So, you know, watching dancing, no problems. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No big deal. So this is, is the tango. Now, I don't know how to tango. And maybe you do. I don't know. I don't know how to tango, but I do know this. It takes two to tango. That's right. That's right. The phrase, you know, it takes two to tango. In other words, there are some things in life that you, you cannot do by yourself. Doing the tango is one of them. You would, that would be odd. And you would be disqualified. You know, you can't do it. And there, there are lots of things in life that you cannot do by yourself. And the Christian life is one of them. You cannot do it alone. It's not meant to be lived out alone. And so what we see is in the scripture, you know, we are meant to be on mission with God together. Because we help each other grow and we help each other go. You know, we help each other grow by praying for one another, bearing each other's burdens, 
encouraging one another, challenging one another, reading the scripture together with one another. We, we help each other grow and then we help each other go by spurring one another on. I think this is why Jesus sent them in twos. Spur them on as they deal with difficulty, you know, acceptance or rejection. They're being spurred on. We complement one another with our gifts that God has given us. And we're meant to be on mission together and support one another when the mission is very difficult. I want to give you an example of this and how this plays out just in everyday life. And I'm going to use an example from a church in the UK uh, that I really think speaks to this uh, kind of in a micro way. And, you know, I think we can draw a lot of application for it from it. But listen to this. Now, there's this church in the UK and there's a church member, someone who goes to that church named Fiona. And Fiona had been trying to get one of her neighbors named Luke to come to a church service. But Luke was very hesitant and very reluctant to coming to this kind of a church meeting. And so uh, Fiona began to invite him to other activities that she would uh, partake in with other Christians from her church, like eating together or watching a football game or going jogging or mountain biking or going to the movies. In other words, Fiona was spending time throughout the week with her brothers and sisters in Christ, and she would invite Luke into that. And so he would do all these things with them, but he would just never go to a church service. Okay, So he's, he's getting involved with all these activities uh, with these Christians, but he hasn't come to a meeting yet. Well, eventually, he comes to his first church service. And Fiona's not there. But guess what? He already knows 90% of the people there. <laughs> because he's been spending time with them outside the service. You know, he's been eating with them, jogging with them, watching football with them, just being with them and watching them and, and experiencing what community looks like on mission outside of the event that happens Sunday morning. He already knew 90% of the church. And so what he experienced there was not all that different than what he was experiencing during the week when he was hanging out with them, except for they sang some songs and they studied the Bible. And Luke is now a Christian as a result of seeing that happen. And that's just one example of how we together are on mission with God. It's not some spectacular program. It's just doing life together Inviting people into that. And of course inviting to the worship service. This is a special time where the church gathers to worship. And it, it signifies something very special. And so we should invite them into this. But this is, it should not be the only thing we invite them into. Invite them into your home. With other Christians. And this is one thing that really stuck out to me in this. And I, I'm not saying that we need to all get together every night to eat dinner together in someone's house. I'm not saying that. But... We should be hanging around with one another enough to where we can invite those who don't know Christ or they don't have a church home. When they hang around us, they get to know you. Right? Let me give you an example. Yesterday, a group of us from the church went and uh, helped serve in one of our church members' yards. Did, did some yard work and things like that. And here's one interesting thing that really stuck out to me as I was watching this kind of happen. Uh, you had a lot of things happen. We had people raking. 
up leaves and pine straw and putting them in bags. We had some people running the chainsaw. Uh, we had some people burning stuff because, you know, we could. You know, you don't need an excuse to burn stuff. So we're burning stuff. You got the chainsaw running. You got the rake going. Uh, you have some people trimming hedges, shaping hedges. You have some people uh, running to the store, buying supplies. You have others setting up food and all these kind of things. And, you know, as I'm seeing all these things happen, what is not happening is you're not just seeing people doing all this quietly. But there's, this, there's talking going on. I mean, people are talking, they're, you know, just discussing life, discussing things that are happening, they're working, they're serving. And this is just a great picture of how people are using their different gifts and abilities to serve just one another. And so on the one hand, you have this example of Fiona and Luke being on mission, reaching outside the church family together. And then you have this other example that happened yesterday where you have people come together and, and you're building community and you're serving one another. It's just a great picture of being on mission with God together, accomplishing what God wants us to accomplish and doing it together. And let me just say, this is very difficult to do if you're not active in a local church, if, if you're not part of a community of believers if you're not part of, for example, a Sunday school class. And the reason I bring up the Sunday school class is because that's where you, you, you don't sit in rows, but you sit in a circle. You know, you sit more facing one another, so, so to speak, and you get to know one another better. And, you know, you interact, you pray, you study the Bible together, you get to know each other, and relationships are developed. But you see, you know, Christianity is a, it's a team sport. And if you try to do it alone... Uh, you you will become very frustrated because you just do not have all the gifts that are needed to accomplish the mission. You need other people to come alongside you and those people need you. And this is one reason why we have teams, ministry teams. We have an outreach team that's going to meet today at 4. We have the launch team for the service. We have Sunday school classes. Um, they require a team. You know, A teacher can't just carry the load. It has to be a team effort if that... that that class, that group is going to fulfill the mission of God, which is to make disciples. Um, so the question is, you know, are you actively involved? Are you part of a team? Do you feel like you're part of the team? Do you feel like you, are, you, you have linked arms with other Christians and you're on mission with God together? Because, you know, I, th- I think there's, there's kind of two types of Christians. You may have heard this before, but I think it illustrates the point. There are those Christians who kind of sit in the stands and watch what's happening on the field. And what's happening on the field is the mission of God is being accomplished. And so there are some that are sitting in the stands that are watching that happen. And then there are others on the field involved in that. Now there may be, you know, there are several people on the team accomplishing the mission. I mean, there's several different roles and, and ways they're helping, but they're active. They're on mission together. They're doing this together. And then there are those who are watching And so the question is, you know, where are you in the mission? Are you you watching or are you playing and praying? You know, are, are you observing or are you linked up with other people that have that common faith in Christ 
You know, are you are you active in the local church? Are you part of a Sunday school class? Are you part of a ministry team or some type of team, the launch team, something that is you're saying, you know what, I'm going to link arms with other believers and we're going to be about the mission of God. You know, are you are you in the stands or are you on the field? Don't encourage you. If you're not on the field, there are plenty of vacancies on the team. <laughs> got plenty of jerseys. And we, we, will, we can put you on one and we will link arms together. And I encourage you to do that. Link arms with us. So as we go out into the city, day in and day out, we can prepare people to meet Christ. Let's pray together. God, thank you for just the way you have modeled for us uh, ministry. You have sent Christ. Christ sends his disciples. He sends the 72. He sends us into the world. And he does so um, by sending us praying for more laborers and praying um, for your will to be done. And And you send us together. You want us to go together. Lord, help us just to continually consider what that looks like here in Augusta. What it looks like at the Hill Baptist Church to be on mission together. And Lord, we do pray for laborers. We pray for laborers here. We pray for laborers all over the world. That they would prepare the way to meet Christ. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.